Cool. All right. I constitute the reserve bench. You know when the main players can't make it like this, you know? That, that's... <laughs> All right. For the reserve bench, for the reserve bench, when the reserve bench, you know... No, I'm kidding. All right. So, opening question. Opening question. Uh, actually, you can put it, give it a moment before you do. Um, when Jesus returns, what does he want to find more than anything else, would you say? Faith. Somebody say faith. Okay, faith, right. Okay, that's right. In Luke 18.8. Okay, we can put it up now. I didn't want to give it away, you know, before I asked the question. There we go. And it's going to take a lot of faith to believe that that says faith, because the contrast is... A... So you're just going to have to take my word for it, okay? That it says faith. Increase our faith. It should, I think it should say increase our contrast so we can see the faith. But anyway. All right, but that's just the designer in me. Okay. But I could read it on my screen if that counts for anything. Okay. First question was, what does Jesus want to find when he returns? Second question is, what condition or sin did Jesus rebuke people for more than any other? Lack of faith. Absolutely. You have little, or yeah, lack, you have little faith. There we go. Lack of faith. And third question, without what quality, okay, is it impossible to please God? Okay, without faith, that's right. Okay, so without faith, it is impossible to please God. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Alright, so we can see that, based on these three things we've seen, that Jesus wants to see faith when He returns. Alright? That He rebuke people for lack of faith. And that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I think we can see that faith is very important to God, very important to Jesus. So, what I wanted to do was quickly look at one of my favorite scriptures on, on, on faith. And that's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. All right, you're welcome to turn there. Hebrews 11, verse 1. My favorite version of this is in the New King James Version where it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And I've really, through my spiritual walk with God, I've really held into the scripture and I've really tried to visualize what faith is. Okay? Because I think that sums up my faith, <laughs> is the definition of faith. Okay? So faith, basically, I mean, if you think about it, it's the substance. Okay, what is substance? Substance is something. It's something tangible I can hold. Okay, can you take hold of God? We can't. We can't give Him a hug. You know, we could have if we lived 2,000 years ago. All right, but faith is the substance. In other words, I can't take hold of God with my hands, but with faith, I can take hold of Him. All right, with faith, I take hold of Him. With faith, I put my foot where there's nothing to land, and He puts something there to land. So faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Well, I can't see God, but faith is the evidence that I see Him. All right, so faith is really how we walk. We live by faith. All right. And now, I just wanted to ask you about faith. Have you ever felt that your level of faith isn't where it should be? You know, um, something about... The one thing about faith is that um, 
It's not like an IQ. <laughs> Your IQ you're stuck with. You can't increase it. Okay? I wish I could. I've often felt I have a low one. But, you know, an IQ is something you're stuck with. But your faith can be increased, even if it's low. All right? So have you ever felt like your level of faith was low and not where it should be? You know, do do the challenges of life, you know, knock your faith? Something happens and our faith in God, that really God's got this, drops. Our level of faith drops when life happens. All right? Does it? Have you ever wished you could have more faith? I know I've been through times when my faith is low, you know, and I feel like it's definitely low. And, I, and, there's, and there's steps I've taken forward, you know, uh, in getting closer to the truth of God's Word that has built my faith. So I'm sure we all go through times when our faith is low. All right, let's turn, if you can, where our... Um, key scripture will be taken from today, and that's in Luke chapter 17, verse 5. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. I always felt nervous if I had to look for a scripture, I'd kind of freak out and wouldn't be able to find it if I'm busy preaching about it, you know. (laughs) Luke 17, verse 5. The apostle said, Lord, Increase our faith. But let's go back a step. Let's go back a step to verse 1. Jesus said to the disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone to whom and through whom they come. It would be better for them to be um, to have a millstone around their neck and thrown into the sea if anyone causes these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, Rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. And if they sin against you seven times in a day, all right, and they seven times come back to you saying, repent, you must forgive them. All right, so that's actually the key scripture. And then the, the, the apostles replied and said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, I've often wondered why would they say that. So basically, he was given this example where he said, if somebody sins against you seven times, all right, and then they come back to you seven times and say, forgive me, and they become repentant that you should forgive them. And I often wondered, why would they then say, Lord, increase our faith? I mean, I think that's quite a, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to, it didn't match up for me initially. And then I thought to myself, well, I think perhaps why they said that was because in their their mind, when that person sinned against them seven times, they probably thought they needed to do something about it. You know, and why isn't this person changing? You know, why are they sinning against me, repenting, sinning again, coming back? And it's just something, something's not working. You know, how can I help them? You know, and, the, and, and yet you say, I must just keep forgiving them every time. So I think what perhaps was going through their mind was they had to take the stance of believing that, you know what? No matter how many times this person messes up against me and how many times I have to forgive them, you know, it's in God's hands. And I need to trust that God's got this. So I think that's why they were saying increase our faith, increase our belief that we know that no matter how many times they sin against me, their future and our future is in your hands, God. You know, and you're going to help to resolve this thing. So that's perhaps why they asked increase our faith. I don't know if that sounded a bit odd for you when they said increase our faith, but it did for me. And I think that sort of made sense to me as to why they were praying that prayer. 
So Jesus' disciples obviously found this very challenging. They found it to be a challenging teaching, and we should too. He called them to forgive people over and over again who sinned against him. The disciples realized they lacked the ability to do this, so they cried out, increase our faith. Now this should be our cry as well to God, to increase our faith. To live as followers of Jesus isn't easy, and the life in Christ takes great faith, and we need God's help to build that kind of faith. All right? When our faith is low, we need to have God help us to increase it. Now from next week, we'll be starting this series, we'll be, we'll be looking at how we can increase our faith based on scriptures from God's word. So what we're going to do now is we're going to look at a few interactions that Jesus had with different people. Interactions he had where all of their faiths were at different levels. And I'm sure as we all sit here today, all of our faiths are at different levels. The first one we're going to look at is is unbelief. Let's turn there. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. All right. Okay, let's do something different today, hey? What, does somebody want to read that for us? <laughs> like in a Bible talk. Mark, cha- Mark chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. Isaiah, you want to read it? Yeah, that's fine. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples in another hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, Where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? They then spoke, He's just a carpenter, the son of Jesus, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown, and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was amazed at their lack of faith. That's right. Okay, so the dangers of of familiarity with Jesus. You know, especially maybe if we've been going to church our whole life. I know Jesus. My parents were religious and I was brought up in a church. But familiarity can breed uh, contempt. You know, one, day, one way that I relate to this in particular is, um, is I've sometimes um, put certain people's words on a different level. Like, for example, if I'm listening to a certain preacher, you know, I would regard his word more highly than another preacher. Oh, it's just him preaching. You know, I think his, what he has to say isn't as impactful as what the other preacher has to say. And that's what I've struggled with sometimes. You know, sometimes maybe I've even <laughs> had a disagreement or something, or I'm struggling with something in my character with that particular preacher. Maybe in some way I don't relate to him. This is me personally. You know, but sometimes what I've had to do, and I've said to myself, is I need to put all that aside and just listen to what God is saying. And sometimes I've sat there and just closed my eyes to listen so that I don't miss what it is God, what God's actually trying to say to me through that person. All right? So I don't know if you can relate, but that's, that's familiarity that I've struggled with. I mean, if you think about it, God can speak through anyone. You know, we know of the story in Numbers where God spoke through a donkey. Right? Right? There's that story. Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard a donkey speaking to me, I didn't care what he was saying, I would listen. 
you know. <laughs> but, uh, but God was talking through this donkey, all right? And uh, yeah, so I think familiarity is, um, can often get in the way of, you know, of our faith, and it can hinder our faith. Let's look at another scripture, Mark chapter 8, verse 23. Okay, so it's just a few, a few gear stops down the uh, book of Mark. A few gear changes down the book of Mark. Sorry, Matthew, Matthew, sorry, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Okay, so this is where we're looking at where Jesus encountered little faith with his disciples. All right, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 26. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. I mean, just imagine if you were in that situation, you know. Um, I think if I look at the sea of PE, you know, it very much looks like a lake most of the time, which is wonderful, you know. Um, but I do know on the Sea of Galilee, although it wasn't an ocean, it was a sea, because of certain geographical and top, top, topographical conditions, you know, it was susceptible to sort of waves and rough water at some times. And these were fishermen. They knew the water, you know, and they knew what Jesus, you know, was capable of, you know, but yet they were afraid, and he challenged them on their lack of faith. More often than not in the Gospels, when Jesus rebukes people for a lack of faith, he ascribes it to fear. Why are you so afraid? It seems that fear and, fear and lack of faith seem to go hand in hand a lot. Because if you think about it, faith is, is kind of always looking forward. You know, what's coming? What's going to happen and what might happen? You know, are we going to drown? Is God going to provide for me? Is God going to give me a place to stay? You know, is God going to get me a wife? You know, um, I, know I've, I was in that position a few times um, in my life, you know, um, <laughs> When I was 34 years old, you know, 34 years old, the clock's ticking, you know. I wasn't married, and, uh, you know, I realized, geez, okay, if I want to get married, it's going to take me this long to meet someone, this long to get married, this long to have kids, and then by that time, I'll be this age, and is that a good age to be a dad, and all these things, and, um, yeah, I mean, God really provided, you know, and uh, He really blessed, you know, and I have a wife, and I have children, and I'm really so grateful, and I don't feel too old, you know, I feel like I kind of made, just made it under the wire, you know. <laughs> Um, for the last 10 years, I've struggled in my uh, business, you know, um, or struggled. I mean, I mean, I work for myself, so I have to pay myself. And, um, and so, like, always December, you know, is, yes, it's tough, you know. And so, but if I look back, God's provided every time and he's, and he's got me through, you know. And I think that's always something that's so encouraging is when you think, will God provide this or do that? Look back and think of all the times he has. You know, and that really helps me and gives me confidence, you know, that God's gonna, He'll get, He's brought me this far. There's so many things that I've feared up until now that I thought wouldn't happen, and they have, 
He's, he's, he's answered those prayers. He's met those needs. Those things that I was afraid of, you know, he helped me. And he helped me through them. So if any of you ever experienced fear, sometimes being fearful about things, thinking of losing your health, becoming poor, that's one thing that I've always feared, you know, uh, not getting married, being lonely, maybe fear about dying, that's one I've had, you know. Um, so yeah, fear, fears such as these, fears such as these are stumbling blocks to growing our faith, all right? But at the same time, they're the perfect opportunity to have faith. They often say, don't waste your struggles, you know, it's the perfect time to build your faith. Okay, our fears are signs that we have doubts about the power and ability of God. Like the disciples doubted the ability of Jesus to rescue them from the storm on the lake. Do you limit the size of God? Our faith can only be as big as our view of God is. If you think of a spectrum, you know, um, I think we all have faith. You know, otherwise we wouldn't be here. And obviously some people have this much faith and some people have that much faith and some people have that much faith. We all have different measures of faith. And God knows that and he gives us ways to increase our faith. And we're going to look at that from next Sunday. So you can look forward to that. All right, so we see that Jesus interacted with people with no faith. He interacted with people with little faith. But he also interacted with people with great faith. And that's going to be our next point. So if we can turn to Luke uh, chapter 7, verse 6. Thanks, guys. I need all the come-ons I can get. (laughs) All right, Luke chapter 7, verse 6. Okay, so Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Okay, so here we have a Roman officer who had great authority in himself. All right? He recognized that, and he recognized that, and he recognized um, placing faith in the authority of Jesus, because he himself was a person of authority, and he knew how, how authority worked. He obviously knew of Jesus. He knew of the power of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. So he was well aware of what Jesus was capable of doing. He even called him Lord. And obviously for a Roman, especially a Roman official, to call anyone Lord except Caesar was tantamount to treason. All right, it was very risky, to say the least. All right, and in those times, that was a very real thing. All right, I know, for example, um, we often in our Western culture don't suffer from that kind of, uh, what do you call it, uh, persecution so badly. But for my wife, you know, she said when she grew up in the Soviet Union, you know, if you just in the village locally with your friends spoke one word against, uh, I can't remember who it was at the time, Stalin or something, you know, just one, you know, People would hear about it, you know, or they would spread the word. And you, 
Next time you see that guy, he's not there anymore. So it was very real, you know. Um, if he called someone Lord under the rulership of Caesar, and especially as a Roman official. All right. And Jesus was amazed. Back in his hometown, you remember, Jesus was amazed at the lack of faith of his own people. But here, he is amazed at the great faith he has found in this high-ranking Roman officer, a Gentile who risked everything to have his servant healed. You know, and sometimes, I don't know if you've been like this, but I think this is once again with familiarity. We don't regard sometimes the half-faith of other people. You know, if I sometimes look at my mom, you know, my mom was... um, you know, she had, she had incredible faith. I mean, she was a, a tough woman, you know, and uh, I think many people would look at her and not call her righteous, you know, but she had tremendous faith. I mean, she was, she was in chemotherapy for seven years, and then she said, you know what, because I was doing so much to her body, she says, I'm gonna, she would live by faith for another seven years without treatment. You know, she had incredible faith. But if you looked at her, you would think this is not a godly woman. But for seven years, she lived by faith, you know. And I think often, maybe sometimes, I've looked at people and they speak with great faith and I sort of want to almost judge them and think, ah, they're not that important. Their faith doesn't count as much as my faith. What a terrible thing to think, you know. But they're not having faith in me. They're having faith in God and God sees that. You know, and um, anyone can have faith. So we, we, um, yeah, we mustn't sort of judge other people's faith, I guess. And it's amazing how God uses anyone. So anyone can have great faith. You know, it doesn't need to. We don't need to come from a certain religious background or culture or position in society. And sometimes the most religious people have no faith or have little faith. And the person who you least expect to have faith has great faith. And as I was saying with the spectrum, I think in the church today we have different levels of faith. Maybe if, uh, maybe sitting here today you believe in Jesus, you've heard of him, you know about him, you believe in who he was, all right, um, but you haven't developed a true biblical saving faith in him yet to basically have him as your personal savior. So you're kind of believing in him from a distance. All right, maybe you have some faith, but not to the point of trusting in him completely. I know I struggle with that, you know, especially regarding finances and things like that, you know, and I always feel like, you know, I always struggle with, you know, yes, I've got to believe God to provide, but I've also got to do my part. And I struggle to find the middle road between trusting God and doing my part. So I'm always in that uh, battle, you know. Maybe you already have a lot of faith, which you have built up over years of learning to trust, obey, and persevere. And I think that's true. You know, I think over time, as we've kind of got a lot of uh, muscle memory, you know, we've kind of been, we've sort of seen this movie before, we've been in these situations, we've been on so many journeys, we've walked through so many red seas with God, we've, you know, we've had the pillar of fire guiding us by night at so many times, we've been, we've had manna from heaven when we really needed it, we've had water from the rock when we, you know, we've really been on a journey with God, and He's provided so many times, and sometimes maybe He hasn't, but because of kind of that journey we've walked with God of going through all these struggles and challenges and of learning to persevere through our faith and to trust Him, we've kind of built up that sort of, um, that sort of history with God. And because of that, we've developed this perseverance of trusting God because He's done it before and we'll trust Him to do it again. All right, so no, no matter where you are along the spectrum, you can increase your faith. All right, and I think that's encouraging. You can please God with your level of faith, and you can be sure that Jesus will find great faith in you when he returns. Remember back to our first point, 
That's one of the things he wants to find when he returns, is great faith. And from next Sunday, we'll be sharing practical, biblical ways to increase our faith. This really works, and I know that we will all grow in our faith if we put these God-given principles into action. So let's come prepared next week to hear practical ways on how to increase our faith. So let me leave you with something to reflect on. If Jesus had to spend time with you, how would he describe you? One of no faith, little faith, or great faith? And how do you think you can increase your faith? Amen. Amen. All right, guys, so that's the message for today. Now we're going to move on to the communion. All right, so um, we're going to carry on on the subject of faith, and um, let's look at Hebrews 5, verse 7 to 10. Okay, Hebrews 5, verse 7 to 10. Okay, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his <clears throat> reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who, who obey him. Okay, so Jesus learned obedience through suffering, though he wasn't perfect, all right? Obviously, Jesus was God, but Jesus also was challenged, you know, um, and suffered. You know, if you think of when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane that God would take this away from him, you know, but he says, not as I will, but as your will. You know, Jesus was suffered. He, was, he, he felt the pain that we felt, emotional pain, relational pain of people who betrayed him, physical pain, right at the end, excruciating physical pain. So yes, he, he suffered. You know, he didn't come as immune to suffering. And our faith can grow if we choose to endure challenging times, just what we were talking about, through trusting God, knowing that, you know what, times of refreshing will come. And I've experienced that as well, you know. If you just, it's, I've often seen life as this long road trip. You know, when you're taking a long road trip somewhere and, you, and then you get these little shell ultra cities along the way. You know, where you can get a burger and chips and go to the bathroom and all that. It's wonderful. I feel like life is that. You know, it's like this long road trip and just when you feel like you just can't anymore, you know, there you see the sign. You know, refreshment stop on the way. And, and that's often our spiritual walk. You know, so, sometimes we're pushing and grinding through, you know, but times of refreshing come. And... Let's read here also in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. Just wondering if I've got the... Oh, excuse me, sorry. I nearly read a very odd scripture. He, I put one B here, and it looked like a six. So it's actually <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1, uh, the second part of chapter... Oh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, but the second part of verse 1. 12, 16 didn't quite sound right. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is the one. And let us run with perseverance the race, the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. All right, so for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So, 
we, we learn from that and we can learn from Jesus in that when we persevere, times of refreshing do come. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer as we take the communion. And then once we've taken the communion, um, I'll just ask uh, the, uh, our large group of song leaders to come up and we'll just close out with, uh, with one song.